podcast. I'm Jim Watkins. So we're going to talk about a couple of things on the program. I uh, always like to talk about things that are relevant at the time and what we can learn from the Revelation, the Urantia book. So I thank you for joining me this time up. And in a moment, we're going to uh, read a letter, share a letter that I received from a listener, a good uh, listener that I always enjoy communicating with. And by the way, if you ever have a question or a comment or just a concern, you want to express that and you um, want to reach out to me here at the Urantia Radio podcast, it's a real simple email address, Urantia Book Radio at gmail.com, Radio at gmail.com. I'm going to try to do two things at once here. So bear with me on this, right? Uh, but that's the way it is. We're all dealt, we're all uh, multitasking these days, trying to make the most efficient use of our time. Um, and so I got this letter. Uh, this there was a spiritual retreat over the weekend. Uh, I think I talked about it on the last broadcast podcast, and it was, uh, if I remember correctly, there was a whole slew of well-known and well-read Urantia readers, students. Uh, instructors, people you might have heard, Gar, Gar Jameson, people like that. And then at the end, I believe, according to the letter that I got, uh, Pato Bonton had showed up and his wife, Antoinette. And now I've had the opportunity of interviewing Pato twice. And if you go back to the first several issues of the Urantia podcast uh, in the catalog, go back and look at the early uh, recordings and you'll see the first interview I had with Pato. Uh, and he was just about to come out with, I think, another album on the spirit of truth. And so we had an opportunity to talk about his early history. And a uh, very impressive guy. If you've been in the Urantia community uh, for any length of time, no doubt you've heard his name come across maybe a Facebook page. or And he's just a brilliant man. I mean, the guy has taken his music and he's been touched by the Lord and he believes in the revelation. And he has used his music as a way of introducing the revelation to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people worldwide. And his wife, just absolutely incredible musician in her own right. And when I interviewed them, they had only recently just got married. So it was interesting and it was very fun. And anyway, so they were at the spiritual retreat. Now, I was not there. I was at a family weekend retreat myself. And so uh, I'm not making any kind of condemnation on anything having to do with Already kind of a judgment, but I do want to offer some some wisdom that we can, like I said, gain from the other Urantia book. And so I want to share this uh, letter with you. It says, Dear Jim, I am writing you in complete dismay and confusion. Almost finished the online spiritual retreat today and was really looking forward to Pato Bonton and Antoinette Hall wrapping things up. Her signet was growing great with song and sharing news of what kind of service work they're doing. And if I know those two, they probably have circled the world, circumvented the world at least three times amid the coronavirus update. These people never stop working. Uh, then they began to address the civil unrest that is gripping our country. To my shock, the uh, listener writes, not only do they support BLM, Black Lives Matter, but have organized and participated in their protest marches, which they say are peaceful or were pre peaceful. I do not understand how that the stated beliefs and goals of BLM in any way reflect the teachings of the Urantia book, and I'm really confused how these two supposed leaders in the Urantia book movement can espouse these views. I felt so disappointed. It had nothing to do with the retreat, which was about worship and communion with the Father. I know you have spoken highly of him and wondered what your thoughts were. I listened to your podcast and really appreciate you hearing your point. Thank you, Jim and signed by the person keep the identity uh, private <clears throat> um 
So I made three attempts. Uh, I was supposed to do a podcast last night, and I did it. It was about 20 minutes long, and I listened to it. Here's the problem. It is so difficult to have an honest discussion about race right now in this country and probably anywhere in the Occidental West. And the reason is because everything is so politically charged. You can say something that can be held against you. You can say something that could ruin your career if you say it the wrong way, if you have the wrong emphasis on the wrong words. And I'm the last person in the world to have anything to say about racial injustice because I, and I'll share a little bit of my own personal journey with you, grew up as a a Caucasian in a very ethnic neighborhood as a child in poverty in South Los Angeles. I was living in neighborhoods that were predominantly either Hispanic or African-American. And there were many, multiple times where the sting of racism I felt. I can't tell you, I can count on both hands and probably a few toes how many times I was assaulted, beaten, robbed, or otherwise intimidated simply because of this color of my skin. So I understand how racism feels from that perspective. And that, by the way, carried me through junior high, high school, and even out of high school. The racism continued. But I never thought of myself as a victim. Simple. Uh, I, I, and of course, you know, I have the advantage because America's Caucasian majority. But I happen to know from my own uh, research on BLM, Black Lives Matter, the movement to address racial reconciliation and adjustment is valid. But there are people who are using the Black Lives Matter movement to introduce their own Marxist, secular, socialist um, agenda. And they're doing for the specific purpose of bringing instability, in my opinion, to the American system of government. They are taking an opportunity to do something, and I'm going to find a direct quote right now that says exactly what I mean with regards to the movement behind Black Lives Matter. I am not talking about the people that are on the streets and peacefully protesting because they feel that they're fighting racial injustice. Those people that are pure in heart think that they're doing the right thing. But let me read to you, let me share with you something in the Arantia book that addresses what the people behind BLM, Antifa, other Marxist groups, anarchical groups, anarchist groups, whatever you want to call them, that are behind this movement to destabilize Uh, American life at this crucial time. So let me find that quote. Okay, so we open up the Arantia book, and I want to go take your attention to uh, the paper 70 on the evolution of human government. And let's zero in on section 10 where it talks about the evolution of justice and the preceding uh, few paragraphs on human rights 9 and 10. So we'll focus on just the last part. Let me just read, kind of break it down for you. When rights are old beyond knowledge, Uh, of origin they are often called natural rights but human rights are not really natural they are entirely social they are relative and ever ever changing being no more than the rules of the game recognized adjustments of relations governing the ever-changing phenomena of human competition what might be regarded as right in one age may not be so regarded in another the survival of large numbers of defectives and degenerates is not because they have any natural right thus to encumber 20th century civilization, but simply because the society of the age of the mores thus decrees. 
And then it goes on to say, the weak and the inferior have always contended for equal rights. They have always insisted that the state compel the strong and superior to supply the wants and otherwise make good those deficiencies, which all too often are the natural result of their own indifference and intolerance. So I'm going to read that again, but I'll read a little slowly because it makes the point when we read and we see all the violence that's going on with Antifa and the youth that is out there and they're angry and they're upset and uh, they want rights and they're clamoring for social justice and fighting racial injustice. Think of this line and think of how it applies. From, again, paper 79, uh, paragraph, section 9, paragraph 16. The weak and the inferior have always contended for equal rights. They have always insisted that the state compel the strong and superior to supply their wants and otherwise make good those deficiencies, which all too often are the natural result of their own indifference and indolence. But this equality ideal is the child of civilization. It is not found in nature. Even culture itself demonstrates conclusively the inherent inequality of men by their own unequal capacity. Therefore, the sudden and non-evolutionary realization of supposed natural equality would quickly throw civilized man back into the crude usages of primitive ages. Society cannot offer equal rights to all, but it can promise to administer the varying rights of each with fairness and equity. It is the business and duty of society to provide the child of nature with a fair and peaceful opportunity to pursue self-maintenance, participate in self-perpetuation, and while at the same time enjoying some measure of self-gratification, the sum of all three constituting human happiness. So taking that into account, again, being a student of the Arantia Revelation should inoculate us from being drawn into the sophistries of these human struggles between classes and castes and groups, which I think is much of what this movement is about. This, this drive for racial reconciliation and social equality and racial injustice and social injustice. And, and um, all of that sounds to me like people have all this welled up energy and they don't know where to put it. And they want to fight for something. They want to fight for that good fight of fairness and equity. But are they fighting a spiritual fight? Is it a spiritual fight? What does BLM and that movement do to bring God and man closer together? Isn't that what the Arantia book says? And isn't that what Jesus and the Bible says is supposed to be our yardstick? That which we can measure the value of any given thing or proposition how does it help me become a better person how does it help me become closer to my father my creator deity father how does it make me serve better my fellow man those are the questions that one need ask when evaluating any situation and its worth again i i started off by divulging to you I've been watching this racial back and forth going on since I was a kid. I remember the Watts riots. I remember the riots when Rodney King was beaten and they showed the video over and over. And that, that to me, to, to me, seemed like the beginning. And I'm not going to make any comments about whether race, race relations have improved or not. To me, that's not the point. To me, the real challenge of our society 
is the secularist revolt. The attempt for society to completely wash itself of its past and its spiritual heritage. That's the better fight. So if you want to get caught up in the political fight, go ahead. You remember when Abraham was in council with Melchizedek. Melchizedek said the same thing. You can go fight, be king. You'll have all these things or you can fight a spiritual fight. There's a spiritual battle. Keep keep alive the idea of God, the Lord God over Israel, right? Even in my own life, I'm constantly in a battle. Do I do a podcast for my political views or do I try to do a podcast addressing only this, uh, the, the, the truths of the Arantia book? Where do I put my energy? What am I putting my energy into? Am I putting my energy into helping my fellow racial brothers and sisters or am I trying to help humanity? So motives, motives matter. Outcomes matter. Spirituality always matters. Spirituality must take precedence. And the fact is is that we have a whole bunch of youth today that have nothing to believe in. This is why these movements occur. They have this energy and they don't know where to put it. And so they put it towards something that they think that they can touch. Social injustice, ending this, ending that. So I'll leave it at that. Paper of, 64 is a good read, paper 70, paper 71. If you really want to get a good sense of how we got to where we are today, a true historical perspective, the Arantia Revelators gave it to us so that when times like these occur, we can look back in history and draw from the conclusions that our forefathers came to. This is a process. It is an ongoing process towards progressive evolution to that day in the future. When we can all, as brothers and as children of the Most Highs, pursue peace and spiritual truth, become enlightened, more enlightened. That's what we should be teaching our children is the spiritual truths of brotherhood. Those are the everlasting truths of brotherhood that can bring us together, no matter our skin color, no no matter our pedigree. And with that, I'll leave you with this. Follow us online. Thank you for your contributions. Thank you for your time. And uh, thank you for following this podcast. If you want to reach out, Radio at gmail.com is the best address. Radio at gmail.com. And of course, check out our website, urantiaradio.net. has all the resources you need. If you're into the Urantia book and you want to find out more, if you want to stay up in touch with all the events that are going on within the Urantia community worldwide or if you just want to read the book or listen to the podcast urantiaradio.net until next time God bless